0: Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to The Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen.
1: And that is, it's not like Jesus was showing up every single day to meet with these guys. We learned from 1 Corinthians 15 that for 40 days, Jesus was making appearances, but apparently not only to them. Why? Once he'd convinced them and recommissioned them, now it's all about finding others and doing the same.
0: Well, it's time for our final study in the book of Luke. We're gonna be looking at the remainder of Luke chapter 24 beginning today in verse 28. Pastor Sam's two-part study entitled Jesus is Alive, the rest of the story, looks at the post-resurrection appearances made by Jesus to his disciples. Sam will even take us over to the book of John to round out what scripture has to say about these amazing 40 days after the cross. So let's listen in.
1: Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 24. We're going to pick up at verse 28, title of our study, Jesus is alive, the rest of the story. Luke 24, 28-53, Jesus is alive, the rest of the story. After you find Luke 24, would you also turn over and actually stay for a moment in John chapter 20, Ordinarily, I try to stay in the passage that we're going to be teaching. But in this case, because we're concluding this gospel and the resurrection story, at least the resurrection story as it is reported for us in the gospels, John gives us some very important insight. I want to make sure we all have it. We see it, we read it, and then uh, we'll be able to uh, factor it in as we press ahead next time in the book of Acts. Um, Luke 24, by the way, began with a series of testimonies to the reality of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. The angels were the first to testify, and they told Mary Magdalene and the other women who had come early to the tomb that he's not here, he's risen just as he said they were instructed to go tell Peter and the other disciples or go tell the disciples and Peter that he truly has risen from the dead. Now, the reason Peter is singled out is it's most likely that at this point he's hiding out. You know that he had um boasted that he was made of sterner and better stuff than the other disciples, that he loved the Lord more than they did, that even if they all flaked out, well, we would expect that, even Peter did, but not him. And now he's not only forsaken the Lord, as the Lord said would happen, but he has denied the Lord. And so apparently Peter was out on his own, but John had come and was hanging with him and then Mary Magdalene comes and says, hey, they've taken the Lord's body. We don't know where they've taken him. The tomb is empty. And, and John and Peter race to the tomb when they get there. Of course, the body is gone, just as she said. And, and then they go back to their place. And, and as they do, Mary Magdalene finds her way back to the tomb as she comes back Well, the Lord appears to her. And that's why I wanted to start here in John 20. In, um, oh, let's see, verse 12. We'll start here. Well, verse 11, Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. She wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, because they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, "Rabbi," which is to say, teacher. Jesus said, do not cling to me for I've not yet ascended to my father, but I go to my brethren and say to them, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she'd seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. It's a glorious picture. Mary, first at the tomb, first to testify of the empty tomb, now the first to see Jesus after the resurrection. And she goes, recognized with me that She didn't at first recognize him. It wasn't until he spoke her name. And this is kind of interesting because in every case that we'll consider this morning, Jesus appears and they don't initially recognize him. But when they do, it will not be the exact same situation that brings about that recognition. I think that's important. Because as we're sharing the Lord with people, as we're praying for and declaring the good news too, well, what happens is, is they're like, I just don't see it. I just don't get it. And, and well, we're simply supposed to speak the truth in love. And then trust that the Lord can open their eyes. And he has an inroad to every heart. In Mary's life, it was so simple. He spoke her name. And all of a sudden... She put it together. It's you, Lord. It's really you. She begins to cling to him. The word suggests a death grip. Like she's not going to let him go. That's why he says, don't cling to me. It's not going to be like that. I've got to go. I've not yet ascended. But that day would soon come. So she returns. She shares with the disciples and their response. They didn't believe her Testimony. So we're going to see again and again, unbelief will be the common response to the good news that Jesus has died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. Well, we also last time considered the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and we do learn from them that, that Jesus had not only appeared to Mary, but had appeared to Peter. And then appeared to them. So they're sort of third in line in all this. First Mary, then Peter. We'll see that by their own lips. And, and now to these two on the Emmaus road. And that takes us back to Luke twenty four twenty eight. It's where we um, paused last time. So we read, then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated he would have gone further, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them and it came to pass as he sat at the table with them, He took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. Talk about eating and running. I mean, he eats and he just vanishes. But, but he, here's what's so essential and so important here. Mary recognized him when he spoke her name. They recognized him when when he took the bread and blessed it and broke it. It's been suggested and it's a very good suggestion that they could see the wounds in his hand, those nail printed hands as he broke the bread in front of them. It's possible that they were there back in, well, the early days when Jesus had delivered the Sermon on the Mount. He'd fed the people spiritually and recognized their need for food physically. And just as he does here, he took bread. And fish in that case. And, and he blessed it and broke it and he gave it to his disciples, and they began to give to the others. Oh, these guys weren't of the twelve, but they were hanging around. There there were many other disciples who followed after Jesus. We'll see that clearly when we get into the book of Acts. So in any case, they could have been there, and if they were, this would have been a real deja vu. They'd remember, hey. I remember something like this. He, he's done this before. He blesses the bread. He breaks the bread. He distributes the bread to his disciples who distribute it to the people. And we noted as we went through that passage that while everyone was fed those who participated, those who were receiving from the hands of Jesus because they were close enough to him to do so and distributing to the people. They didn't just see a miracle. They participated in a miracle of the Lord. At the Last Supper, very similar scene, smaller group, of course. But but again, the, the same type picture where Jesus blesses the bread and breaks it and gives it to his disciples. It says, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Well, in every case so far, and, and there are only three, and we only have reports of two, that, that while Mary hears her, her name and recognizes him, these guys see him blessing and breaking the bread and their eyes were opened and they knew him. And then they said to one another, verse 32, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? By the way, these two pictures walking and talking with those disciples, opening the scriptures to them. It is a a demonstration to us of how Jesus went about discipling the disciples. He walked and talked with them from the very beginning. He chose them to be with him. And then that he could send them out to represent him, and we don't want to miss this because it is the the difference between religion, which just teaches about Jesus, and a relationship with Jesus. Way back when my boys were just little boys, Josh, a baby, and Nate, about four or five years old. Um, we were at a doctor's office and and they have those little Bible books often in the, the, the doctor's office. And Nate was looking at one and, and a lady sitting there said, hey, do you know about Jesus? And Nate pondered for a minute and he looked at her and he said, well, I don't know much about him, but I know Jesus. And I thought that's exactly what we're trying to communicate, that it's not just gaining information about him. You can have all that and still be dead in trespasses and sin. It's all about really knowing him. And here's how they got to know him. He spent time with them and he's still available to do that, by the way. Make an appointment. He's always up early. If you can't sleep at night, he's available. And you just get on your knees and you say, Lord, I I need to, to hear from you. Not just talk to you, hear from you. He promises to meet with you and to to love on you. So in any case, he was with them and then he opened the scriptures to them. And, And I love this. This is what I pray for us that the Holy Spirit would do in our lives as he promised he would, exactly what Jesus was doing in their lives. So, His first priority to be with them. We see that that's a reality. The the second priority to open the scriptures to them. Why? Because he knew that once he was gone they'd have the word and in his absence they're at the right hand of the father still aware of us praying for us. Well we have his holy word. Well as soon as he leaves and they begin to declare, wait, don't you remember how our hearts were burning? It says they rose up, verse 33, that very hour they returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now, it's important to know that all of this is happening on Resurrection Day. He's appeared to Mary. He's appeared to Peter. He's appeared to the two on the road to Emmaus. And now he's going to appear to the disciples. But again, note when the, these guys come and they say, we've seen him, he's alive. The disciples don't believe it. How does Jesus deal with their unbelief? It says, verse 36, As he said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they'd seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why did doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and feet that it is I myself. Why is hands and feet again? He still bearing the marks of the wounds in his hands and feet. Handle me and see, he says, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his feet, but while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said, have you any food here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb and he took it and ate in their presence. Now. I'm excited about this passage for numerous reasons. One is we get a little bit of insight into what our new model bodies are going to be like. And if you're young, you're probably like, I kind of like this model. If you get older, I guarantee you'll come to the day where you'll be looking forward to trading it in. The older you get, the more you look forward to it. But the reality is is, is we learn a couple of things here. And and if you really want to learn all you can about, well, what lies ahead? First Corinthians 15, don't go to it now, but jot it or make a mental note. That is the, the premier doctrinal passage dealing with the reality of your new body and, and what you can expect. First Corinthians 15. We learned a couple things here though. If we're going to have bodies like his and the Bible suggests we will, well, we're going to be able to pass through doors. It'll be like, we're going to be able to it's better than Star Trek because they were just pretending it'll be beam me up, Jesus, and he will. We'll be able to pass from here to there. We'll be able to pass through windows and doors. Nevertheless, we're going to have flesh and, and bone. And, and that's what Jesus says. So so whatever the body's like, it's going to be able to do a lot of things this body can't do. One of the things we will be able to do and personally I'm grateful for this we'll still be able to eat and you see it here in fact in fact not just here but in every appearance after this we're going to find Jesus breaking bread with people it's just what he did in fact that's what he mainly did besides walk and talk with his disciples on the road he ate with his disciples it's so prevalent in the gospel accounts that my buddy Gail Irwin suggested at one point maybe we should change the name of our whole uh, affiliation from Calvary Chapel to Calvary Chapel and and just follow in his footsteps just get into fellowship and food because apparently that you know that they're not fully convinced he goes you got anything to eat they give him some and they're like now we recognize him so anyway That's what's happening here. Eight days, by the way, would go by before Jesus appears to these guys again. First time Thomas wasn't with them. He was AWOL, doesn't say where he was or why he wasn't there, but we know he wasn't there. And when the disciples tell Thomas, we've all seen him. He says, I'm not gonna believe unless I can see the wounds and put my hands into him. He's sort of like, I got to handle him or I won't believe it. Well, I'm intrigued by the fact that Jesus tells the others, handle me and see. He understands. It was a lot to ask. They didn't recognize him. They struggled to believe it was really him. They wanted to believe it, but they struggled to believe it. So eight days later, Thomas shows up. And, and he's with the disciples. And, and this takes us back again to John 20. So if you'd go over there for a moment with me, John 20, 26. As eight days have gone by, Thomas now with the disciples. Jesus came, the doors being shut. Similar situation. He stood in the midst. He says, as he had a week earlier, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed Two things about this particular um, section. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. It's so important. There are some who will say, well, Jesus never claimed to actually be God, just the son of God or an ambassador of God. No, Jesus claimed to be God. In fact, his enemies fully grasp that. That's one reason they would try to kill him. And they did numerous times. They failed, of course, until it came to the cross. Why? Because the Old Testament had already prophesied it would be like that. But, but, but here's the point. If Jesus were not God, he would have told Thomas, hey, the Lord thinks cool, but don't call me God. Why? No one is to be worshiped as God, but God. And Jesus is the son of God and God the son. So, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Again, it's not enough to believe he's the Lord or even that he's God. He needs to be your Lord and your God. The other issue here is he says, blessed are those who've not seen and believed. And that is a blessing, a beatitude pronounced on us with, um, well, I would say with few exceptions and maybe with none, uh, most of us would say, hey, I, I've never seen him, not, not, not in reality, and, 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 but, but I believe. I believe because of his word. I believe because he's spoken my name, because he's opened my eyes, because he's walked with me and opened the scriptures to me. Oh, that's what was happening with them, you see. So, so now we, we come to John 21. We skip ahead a little. We're in John. We'll find our way back in a few moments to, to um Luke 24, but as followers of Jesus, we're going to see that we are to be engaged primarily in the ministry of proclamation, preaching that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and rose again, sharing the good news of the gospel and the ministry of restoration. Yes, we're to clothe the, the naked and feed the poor. We're to watch out for the widows and orphans. We're to visit those who are in prison All of those are things we're supposed to do. But listen, if you do those things and you don't proclaim the gospel, you can help someone with a temporary need only to to leave them alienated from God eternally. We must proclaim the word. And our ministry is one of restoration, not just preaching to those who don't know, but restoring those who've fallen, who do know. And we get to see that here. Jesus has no doubt privately restored Peter at this point, but he's going to publicly restore him. Why? His desires for his intentions for Peter haven't changed at all. Peter failed him, but there's no plan B when it comes to Jesus' plan for Peter's life. He's going to use him and he's going to use him radically, dramatically. and, And so this is his story of restoration we read in John 21:1, after these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias and in this way he showed himself track with this a moment before we get to the end of this he's going to say this is the third time he's appeared to these disciples so he appears to them without Thomas eight days later to them with Thomas now they're not in Jerusalem they're down in Galilee and he appears to them there It's something I hadn't noticed, but it it seems important today. And that is, it's not like Jesus was showing up every single day to meet with these guys. We learn from 1 Corinthians 15 that for 40 days, Jesus was making appearances, but apparently not only to them. Why? Once he'd convinced them and recommissioned them. Now it's all about finding others and doing the same.
0: I must confess, I have heard it said, and I may have thought the same thing myself from time to time, that it would be much easier for my faith to have been there to witness the resurrected Christ walking and talking and doing the things he did before he was taken to heaven. But God gave us all these testimonies of those who did see it right here in His Word, and as we place our faith in the Word of God to be true to what it says, we can experience the blessing that Jesus offered when He said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. As I think about what it must have been like for the disciples to see Jesus again, alive, I also think what it will be like when I first see Him. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, the Apostle Paul says, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Sometimes it's comforting just to think about what that day is going to be like.